Hi, I want to welcome you to Raising Playful Tots. My name's Melitza. I hope this show is a place where mothers like you can safely explore a slower, simpler, and playful lifestyle so that you can get to the heart of what your family needs to thrive both now and in the years to come. Well, hello and welcome back to the show. Today's show, we're going to be talking about sleep. Sleep is one of those things that we probably agonized over when we had a newborn. It was all very new, trying to find a routine and a rhythm that worked for us. As the children got older, their sleep changed and maybe there are no problems that you feel at the moment with sleep. There are two probably very distinct times when sleep becomes a problem in homes and that's at the very beginning, newborn, and often when they get to become teenagers, that sleep completely changes and there's troubles that happen there. There's also troubles in in the in-between when children in elementary school, sleep problems start to happen. And some of those sleep problems, we probably just dust off as, well, you know, what's the big deal about sleep anyway? Well, we assume that a lot of things that happen to us happen to the children in exactly the same way. And if that's the case, we often call it the fallacy of similar effect. Well, at least that's what the authors of Nurture Shock called it, is that things that work in children work in the same way in adults. Well, many times that's not actually true. And the same could be said of sleep. So this session this episode of Raising Playful Tots, we're going to challenge that assumption that we can set aside sleep and be okay, and that we think that children can do the same. They can set aside sleep and be okay. I want to challenge that assumption today. So I want you to set aside that assumption right now and listen to some of the evidence Um, I've been reading Nurture Shock again recently and I was struck by their chapter on sleep in particular. So if we can set aside that common assumption about sleep to start with, that we think that kids' sleep loss is the same as adult sleep loss, well that just is not true. So if we don't as adults get six or seven or eight hours sleep we can cope with it and we think that the children can cope with it in the same way well our sleep and their sleep are not the same at all it's we can be tired but we think well we can just manage it it will be okay and we often believe that the children can do exactly the same thing but when tested for that effect there was a significant change for children compared to adults A loss of one hour of sleep is equivalent to the loss of two years of cognitive maturation and development. And that was a quote taken from Dr. Avi Seder's sleep study at Brown University. So we can tell that children are affected differently to sleep than we are. Tired children also can't remember what they just learned They get stuck on a wrong answer and can't move to another solution. And they often keep returning back to what they know to be wrong. And it's just this cycle. And if you've ever seen a child that's tired and and done this, I've sat with my children before 
and trying to do a task with them and they're just finding it really tricky and I want to keep saying but we've done this you know that that's not going to work it seems as if they just keep getting pulled back that's to do with executive function and there's a lot of science that goes on behind it and in the book it will go through and it explains it a lot more about the science behind what is actually happening to the brain when you get stuck and fixated in a certain particular place we often think as well that, well, you know, 15 minutes is not going to really make a difference. Well, it does. If you take 15 minutes off their sleep schedule in Dr. Wallstrom in Minnesota, he did a study of teenagers who those that received A's had slept for an average of 15 minutes more than those who had B's, who slept on average 15 minutes more than those who had C's who slept about and you get the point it goes on and on so 15 minutes seemed to matter now his study was of over I think 7,000 students that he um, studied to find this out and so when we look at sleep we can see that for children and adults our sleep differences are just different we also know that the more you learn during the day, the more you need to sleep that night because of the way that the brain encodes and learns those memories. We need the time to process it and nighttime is the time when that happens. So if you are reducing that amount of time, then you are restricting the amount that they will be able to learn. So it does matter a lot more that they are getting enough sleep because often the things that we do every day as adults aren't the same types of learning that the children are doing so we don't have to learn facts and figures that we will need to be able to use um, the next day in the same way but the children will adult sleep is also of different quality than what a child's sleep is so a child will spend more than 40 percent of their sleep time in a stage called slow wave and this is a time when the long-term learning of things so these are your spelling words your vocabulary your times table your historical facts your facts and your figures um, so your maths and your science all of those types of areas that's when those get encoded and learnt and they have about 40% of their time and according to the science that's there we don't have anywhere near I think it's something like 10 times less um, we spend on that type of time so it's a very different quality of sleep so when the children don't sleep for the right amount of time then they are depriving that time to actually remember those things that are happening so what can we do about this? So we've learned that children's sleep and our sleep are different. It's not the same quality of sleep. It's not the same type of sleep. We can't just say, well, suck it up. You're a little tired. You'll be okay. It doesn't work that way. Their brains are very different. They're growing and learning in a different way than our brains are. So we have to try and work with that. So I've come up with five practical ways we don't want to be overwhelmed five practical ways that we can try and help our children to be able to have good sleep so that they can learn so the first thing is check their schedules and do an audit of time 
I always find this really fascinating because we think that we know what we're doing until we actually do an audit. It's the same when you go on a diet and you do a food diary and you realize how many snacks that you sneak and how many drinks that you drink and all sorts of things pop up. Really? I didn't realize I was doing that. So actually pay attention to what's going on. Check their schedules for however many children that you have and actually audit the amount of time that they actually get to sleep. So not when they're in their room or winding down, but you know, have a guess at roughly when they fell asleep and do this for a week or so. It's easy to say, well, this isn't a typical week. And that can t- untypical week can go on for many weeks, so it actually is a typical week. So I would just say start. Whether it's a typical week or not, just start. For two weeks, audit how much time they're actually getting to sleep. Now, I haven't said at any time how much sleep. There are many different charts that you can find online that will give you many different things. I've always found it interesting to go by how my children are behaving rather than just focusing on the charts. They give a great ballpark and you know if I was having trouble with sleep then I think I would pay attention to them more. But I like to look at are they waking up tired? Are they waking up refreshed? Are they snippy snappy as I call it with each other because they, they just haven't had enough sleep? Then I start thinking about their room. Is it too cool? I have one son that sleeps in a freezing room. He absolutely loves it. And another one that cocoons himself and he has to be super hot um, there too. So trying to find the right balance for their room. They've, they are very different needs. And when they shared a room, it was very interesting. <laughs> I can tell you trying to balance the needs of a hot room and a cold room at the same time. But making sure that their mattresses are the right thickness for them, their pillows are okay, so that they can have that restful sleep and be able to do it. So how much sleep did they really get that week? We've had uh, two very crazy and different weeks ourselves back to back here. And so I know that these two weeks haven't been typical weeks. However, I should still map out what their sleep was like because we have had some acting out and had some troubles. And so this tells me that the sleep wasn't of the quality that it needed to be for them to be able to make the right type of choices. I would suggest doing this type of audit once a season because depending on where you live in the world, that the seasons are very different. If it's very bright outside, that might have an effect. If it's very dark during the morning, that might have an effect of getting up in the morning and it's it's difficult. It's trying to find the right blend and balance for your particular family. Also, it depends on the ages of the children. So some children who are obviously teenagers will be experiencing that tiredness in a very different way, especially if they're going through puberty and all sorts of other things. And there's just many complications that happen to do with sleep. But certainly the first thing I would do is check their schedules. Are they doing too many things? Are they doing enough things that they can be calm enough that there's a time that they can wind down and have a bedtime routine and get to bed? And how much sleep are they actually getting? Because I think some of us would be surprised when we see how much sleep that they're actually getting. So that's number one. Number two 
is tired children can't remember what they have learned. This is an expression that we like to use with the children when they are starting the, the going to bed dance, I like to call it. Can I have a drink? Can I tell you a story? <laughs> you know, all of the delaying tactics that they want to, to do to um, spend some more time with you. Now, I'm all for spending time and connecting, but sleep is important and they need to understand that. And I don't think children understand it in the same way. They just think we're kind of cutting off their fun time and they're probably still excited. They're not tired to go to sleep, but they still need to go to sleep. So this is something that we have explained to the kids, the science a little bit behind it, that tired children can't remember what they've learned the next day. And so all of the things that you've been learning, you want to remember, right? And if you want to remember it, then you need to go to sleep so that your brain can work what it needs to do and remember so that you can remember and create those memories. So that's an expression that we like to say to the kids as tired children can't remember what they've learned. So they begin to see the link between sleep and learning things. I think too often the children just think, well, I learned it under my own steam. I'm just good at learning. Well, often you are good at learning because you've had a good night's sleep so that it can be remembered. There is a link all the way through there. And we just want to make it obvious for the kids so that they can understand that when you learn something, you take it in, but then you sleep on it and then you remember it the next time. Number three, talk about something easy at school. I would suggest at a mealtime and talk about something that's hard. Generally, having these types of conversations is always good anyway to get an idea of what's going on at school. Um, but actually talking about something that's hard really gets a lot of problem solving going and sometimes the other children will hop in and say, oh, you should try this, you should try this. And then start talking about, well, imagine if you have to relearn that thing over and over again. Um, one of my children was talking about a math problem that they'd had and how difficult it was. And they found it really tricky because everybody else in the class seemed to get it. And they knew that they were just one of the last ones to get it. But the pressure was there. He felt really, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I don't get it. I don't understand. And everybody was trying to help him, giving him ideas, trying to help him. And then, ding, the penny dropped. And he was just like, oh, I was just so happy. I finally managed to get it, but I had such a headache at the end of the lesson because I'd had to work so hard. Well, they are amazing stories to hear from your kids about how they worked really hard and they feel that they've overcome. And I like to mention at that point to them that, you know, wow, well done. You know, I hope you get to remember that. But imagine if you had to do that class that you just did, that really hard class, all over again tomorrow or all over again next week or next month. And usually at that point, they're like, oh my goodness, no way, I don't wanna do it. That's not what I would wanna do. But that's exactly what you do when you don't give yourself enough sleep. So you need to allow your brain to put all of that information into the right places and it needs time to do it. The more time that it has to do it, 
the better it can do it. Because if we wake up and it hasn't had time to put all of those things into the right places, it's like it, it seems to lose it because now it has to take in new information that it just kind of holds there. And then at nighttime, it starts to put them all in the right places of memory. And so our short-term and our long-term memories um, are, are used very differently. And often children just don't realise that there is a link between what I've learned at school and how hard I went through it and the emotion that I went through it and how at night time my brain will put all of these things in the right places. If we don't give ourselves enough sleep, then we won't remember the things that we have spent all that time trying to learn during the day. And you, you speak to any child after they've had a summer break, school holidays, or they've come back to something and they said, oh gosh, I learned this last year. I can't believe I can't remember it. It's not a perfect um, model where they'll remember every single thing, but they start to realize that they need to be having a good amount of sleep to be able to remember things. Sleep and work go hand in hand. Then number four is just like nutrition and exercise is important within our family, so is sleep. I think that this is, sleep is often pushed down as a not that big a deal once they get past the sleep issues of sleeping through the night. It's like, phew, they sleep through the night. That's it in many families. But we now know through brain research that there's a lot more to sleep than just sleeping through the night. It's the amount of sleep that we have that's important as well for kids. We are, as adults, not often learning facts and information in the same way that children are. And because of that, our sleep issues are very, very different. So if we squeeze the night and have less sleep, we're often not having to repeat information that we did the day before, not in the same way that children do at least. And so this can really impair our children. Children sleep very differently too. So we need to develop good bedtime habits and regular sleep times. Now, whatever the regular sleep time is for your family, but being able to enforce that well enough that they understand that that's just what they do. In the same way, when kids wake up, they know that it's breakfast and then we get ready and then you go off to school. In the same way, you understand that at the end of the day, we do these steps and that leads to bedtime and then that leads to sleep because sleep is important and sleep helps us remember the things that we have done during the, the rest of the day. We know when we skip a meal, there's a consequence. And when we play around with bedtimes for our children, there are consequences too, consequences for the next day. And I think that that's something that we should be very well aware of if we are constantly cutting corners with their sleep and their sleep time. Remember, every 15 minutes that we take off has an impact on what they can remember the next day. Number five, let sleep be a positive, healthy thing within the family. I think it's really interesting that it's really hard to say when you're with friends, I had such a good night's sleep last night. It felt really good. Right? Not many people ever say that. 
it's better, it seems, for people to say, oh, I had five hours sleep last night, almost like a badge of honor, and I've drunk this amount of caffeinated product today. There seems to be um, excitement and acceptance around that. I know for many people, they have their own sleep issues. They find it hard to go to sleep um, themselves. And, you know, there is no judgment at all with um, people and sleep issues because that's something that's very, very different. If you can't sleep, you can't sleep and it's miserable and you need to be able to function during the day. This, what we're talking about in, in today's show, is all about what we can do to help our children um, who don't have sleep issues themselves, but we aren't, we can help them to do better with their sleep. So if we can talk about sleep in a positive way, we actually remark how fresh we feel after however many hours of sleep, because it's different for everybody else. So for example, I remember I, I had managed to get seven hours worth of sleep, um, which is a, a regular amount of sleep that I I need and I'd said you know I feel really good this morning and I remember talking to one of my sons and he just said I, I don't I just feel tired and it transpired that he was reading a book that he really liked and he kept reading it and he read way past his bedtime and I hadn't noticed this time and he'd stayed up to read now he enjoyed that read and we've all been there staying up to read really late so I could just remind him you know how was the book? We talked about the book, but we also talked about the importance of sleep. And so maybe tonight you can sleep a bit on time because you, we can't catch up our sleep, but we can sleep on time and feel better because it's great to feel good and be able to do things. And another day he woke up and he was happier. And I said, did you get a good amount of sleep? And he said, yeah, I must have. But actually linking his feelings to sleep I think really gives children an idea of how important sleep is for depression, for um, their feelings of well-being, all of those types of things. It, it starts them realizing how important it is to have the right amount of rest. That when you say that you sleep for seven hours or that you got six hours in, whatever your number is, it's not a sign of weakness. It seems just like many people will say, oh, I have so many things I've got to do. I've been so busy. Often people want to say, and I'm so tired, as if it's a badge of greatness. It's really not a sign of weakness to say that, that you slept well. I think sleeping a lot has the tendency for people to think that you're lazy because you sleep a lot. And sleeping a lot can just mean that you have the proper amount of sleep for your body. And because everybody is different, I've not said, you know, you should have six, eight, ten hours um, for each child or for each adult. I think that that's totally something that you have to work out with you and your family. If your children wake up grouchy, stay grouchy, are having trouble focusing and concentrating, maybe sleep is an area that you might want to focus on. That if we're positive about the sleep messages, I think it gives the impression to the children that sleep is important and not something that we can just take for granted 
and not think that we're going to have a repercussion. I guess if we eat lots of fast food, it's pretty soon we notice the repercussion on our body and our health. When we deprive ourselves of sleep and the children do, we don't often see it immediately in your face um, physically, but cognitively and intelligence, you start to notice the things all slowly start to slip. And it's something that the children can be mindful of and it's something that we can be mindful of too. So today we have talked about sleep and looked at a common fallacy with sleep that kids sleep and adults sleep are exactly the same. And I hope that I've shown you that they're not and that I've given you five steps to helping sleep be a more positive thing inside of your home. If you want to know more information about sleep, some of the people that I'd mentioned, um, I would really suggest that you read Nurture Shock, and I will leave a link for that in the show notes. They have a whole chapter about sleep and gives you lots of the science behind some of the ideas that I talked about um, today. So now it's your turn. If you want to improve the quality of your home and make sure that sleep is a priority, what types of things do you do in your home? I'd love to hear what works for you in your family when it comes to sleep and being able to get the children to sleep for the right amount of time, especially if they're elementary and older. Use the hashtag CreatingFamilyHaven on Twitter and Instagram to talk about this episode. Thanks for being here today. I know that there are many things that you could be doing right now, and I'm glad that you've chosen to be here today. I hope something I have said has triggered you to investigate something more about sleep, perhaps, and helped you make a decision for your wonderful family. Don't forget to leave us a rating or a comment whenever you subscribe. And I know it seems like a small thing, but it's one of the best ways, and it helps to find new people for the show when you leave a comment or a rating. Show notes for today's show with links is at raisingplayfultots.com forward slash 186. That's 186. While you're there, get the fortnightly Raising Playful Tots note that has some encouragement and ideas on our journey of intentional, simple parenting and simple play. See you again next time. You've been listening to Raising Playful Tots, show number 186. Come over and play next week. Until then, find time for some unplugged play and intentional parenting. Join with me each week as we share, learn and laugh together about making the most of creating our family haven. Goodbye.